0: Welcome aboard the battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing?
1: Well, I'm curious uh, as to what's on your mind. <laughs> that's
0: how I'm, I'm doing. Well, I was going to write an article. I also about don't this. have all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This episode is brought to you by movie. No. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I was going to write an article about this, but honestly, I had just written a similar article elsewhere. Um, so uh, I wrote an article about uh, something that uh, Ben Shapiro had said. Um, in the midst of so- saying something that I agreed with, he said something that as as often, like when he ventures into the world of movies, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Um, so I wrote an so article. So about- ben-, ben Shapiro
1: was sounding off about something he doesn't know about, like, say, the uh, mental health of people who are transgender. Sure. if it's something he doesn't know about and yet seems to be very comfortable sounding off on at length. <laughs> He's comfortable with most
0: things. It's You know, it's an interesting thing. I really thing. don't like him. I know you don't. I really, uh, really don't like him. The thing that gets me is that, and this happens, this is not what I wanted to talk about, but there are moments when I, I, uh, I think of like people that I agree with or people whose work I admire, like uh, directors or actors or musicians or whatever, and I feel like, I don't think they'd like me um, <laughs> I know that's a weird thing, but it's just one of those things that like especially like in the in the conservative commentator community, I know a handful of them, and then i then there are like friends of friends yeah and so uh, and it's just like, yeah, I don't think we would get along. And Ben Shapiro is someone that I get the feeling doesn't get along with most people. But uh, I might be wrong. I know that he has friends. I mean,
1: you've definitely got evidence to go on. <laughs> yes, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> In terms of that. Um, I don't know. I tend to, I, I don't think I would like anyone. So I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I think I've definitely disabused myself long ago of the notion that I would like someone just because I like their output. Oh, be my. A, yeah, be it no. creative or, or political or, or whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, there's, there's no telling. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like I, I am able to like most people. I trust very few of them, but I like most people. Um, but it's just like, yeah, they'll just let me down. So just uh, keep this on the surface. Anyway, the point is that's neither here nor there. The point is, uh, similarly, uh, another mm-hmm. conservative who I genuinely do not care for. Um, even, even when he is saying stuff I agree with, which admittedly is, is, less frequent um matt walsh not of the ucb not the, good one. not the good one not the fun one not the one from widows star of widows <laughs> That's right. i forget that he's in that
1: uh, i didn't no. forget because when i saw it at afi fest they bring out the cast and i think they just bring out whoever happens Whoever's to be there
0: because
1: yeah. um, you know recently at the premiere or the la premiere or whatever of Vice, Okay. Our friend Matt Champagne was up on stage because he's in like one scene.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, I think uh, he, uh, he uh, Instagrammed that and I was like, what, wait, what? It, yeah.
1: So they, they always seem to whoever's there. And so Matt Walsh was able to make it to the screening, even though he is in one scene in Widow's. All right, but yeah. it's a it's a memorable scene. Yeah. Um, Plus, he had to do some, certainly probably another day as an actor of photo shoots.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's why he took the role because he thought it'd be funny? Um, anyway, so, uh, but uh, conservative commentator Matt Matt Walsh um, was talking about superhero movies, and he was saying that like they're you know they're that he's grown tired of them and that they're all the same and that sort of thing and and. Okay. And, and was being okay. very. So far, I'm on board. <laughs> right. But he was being very dismissive. And I found myself getting upset with him. Uh, and the, the mental argument I was making in my head, I soon realized uh, that's a film lover's argument. And and in fact, that's an academic argument that I'm making. He is not, regardless of what he might think, he is not an expert in film. Mm -hmm. uh, And he would, and I don't think he would claim to be, though it doesn't stop him from writing articles. Um, And so, and the thought that I was making is like, of course they're all the same. It's a fucking genre. All Mm -hmm. right. Like if you watch Westerns, you're like, eh, kind of tired of these wide open spaces. You know, it's (laughs) like, like we get it. Film noir she's dangerous like yeah it's a genre they're going to have the same story elements over and over the point is you find the variations mm-hmm. and that's what you take joy in that's what's exciting about any one particular movie and then i thought yeah but that's i don't think that's a legitimate i don't think that should be a legitimate leg- legitimate gripe for me if you said it then would be like, oh, you should know better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he's just a regular person. He's a regular person. Uh-huh. Uh, regular. And so my question is, is that something I should be... Certainly his tone is something I could be frustrated with, that dismissive thing, which bothers me so much. But his attitude of like, well, it's just the same thing over and over. It's like, yeah, well, he's a regular, he's a normie. And so he would think that, and that is, thats that's... Is that okay for, you know, should I have gotten upset at that attitude?
1: Um, I mean, uh, I'm not a fan of that guy either, so I don't sure. care what you get upset with. Yeah, yeah. Um, With him. But no, I think about this sort of thing a lot in that, like, I'm a film critic, not a professional. We make, you know, we have some adver- advertising money coming in here or whatever. You're part of
0: but- two prestigious societies, David. Uh-huh. So yes. I'll take um, it. Well, and a third you don't know about. Oh my, (laughs) I was wondering about that ring that you had, (laughs) that you used Um, to sign all your letters. uh,
1: um, uh, So I'm, I am a film critic and I think about the fact like, well, who am I, am I, if you talk about the idea, if you think of the idea of film critics as gatekeepers, which I don't because I hate that term, but you think about that, it's, oh, they're the front line. They're people who see all the movies and then tell everybody else what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. That's not how I think of film criticism, but I know that there are people who do look to critics for that. Right. And so I think about what am I, am I going to be a good, as someone who sees, I mean, I'm, uh, I love, uh, this is the first year I've had a letterbox. So I can tell you that I've seen something like 330 movies mm-hmm. so far this year and will probably, you know, top, uh, Maybe get close to three fifty by the end of the year, because uh, I'm going to cram a bunch of stuff in. You keep at it. Um, so, someone who sees that many movies and doesn't have to pay for most of them, yeah, versus someone who goes to the movies, even someone who goes every couple of weeks and has to pay, we're just fu- like fundamentally looking for different things. Right. Um, and it really weighs on me. Like, am I being am I being fair? Like. When I, you know, w- am I trashing a movie because, um, yeah, because I've seen 350 movies this year, seven or eight of them were exactly like this, <laughs> Yeah, but this person hasn't seen those or, 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 hasn't seen all eight of them at least, you know, this, this imaginary person. Um, it's sort of like th- this, I, okay. Cause I don't want to sound snobby about this. I don't think I am um, sounding you know. snobby, but, uh, you know, um, our friend Jimmy Pardo used to talk about and probably maybe still does. i never not funny about like his increasing inability to talk to non comics. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if you have this, but like people, you know, in your life who are not like movie, but that's the thing about being into movies is everyone likes movies, right? <laughs> everyone likes movies. That's, um, yeah. And so when someone know, finds out you're like a movie person, they're like, Oh, what's good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to, like, I, I feel like, is it, do I just be completely honest and talk about, like, the Jafar Panahi movie that I saw at Toronto? Right. Or are they asking me what movie that's playing at a- AMC is good? Right. And that's what I don't want to sound snob, snobby, because I'm not saying that's a judgment of that person. Right. But it is sometimes hard for me to find out, like, what does this person want from me? when they're asking me what movies are good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's and this uh, was odd. I mean, we have to deal with the ads and stuff, but this actually plays in today's, into today's discussion more than I was anticipating when I brought it up. Um, yeah. Because I do think that there's this... Like, for example, it's entirely possible that critics are w- could be more forgiving... Of a superhero movie that just completely... That doesn't break the mold. It's just kind of... It's like all the others. But they might be more forgiving of it. Because they see way more stuff in between. Um, And so it winds up being this... It winds up being refreshing. Like It certainly is not like the movies that you saw at AFI Fest. Or something Mm -hmm. like that. Whereas for in you know, the, the average movie goer who doesn't see that many movies and the movies they do see are probably big tent pole movies that are going to feel the same from one movie to the next oh right that's a good um, point. yeah i don't know it's uh i just thought of that and i don't think that actually holds up the more i think about it but um no but, but it, it is one thing
1: to go like i mean this week i saw um aquaman <laughs> This okay. is my geek week. Cause mm-hmm. I saw Aquaman, Spider-Man into the universe and mortal engines. Yeah. But also I went home each night and watched the Nicholas rogue movie. There you go. Because spoilers, we are planning on profiling Nicholas Rogue next time it comes <laughs> around. So, um, it has been a really weird, like that. Like, uh, I've literally watched three geek movies with three Nicholas rogue movies in between. Um, uh, and it probably has shaped my, if I had just seen, one or just seen the other, I would probably be thinking about them differently, but to come home from mortal engines and then watch bad timing is going to make me think about both movies a little bit differently.
0: Yeah. In in looking at it another way, like it was just a week of perpetual palate cleansing, you know, (laughs) just, um, that's true. But yeah, so it's just something that, that I do wonder, um, you know, to go back to the, the Jimmy Pardo idea of only, increasingly only being comfortable with people that are that are comics what he means is like people that look at the world a certain way or a pat or are passionate a certain way and what's interesting is that for me you know i just complained about these two people that i probably agree with politically mm-hmm. and then you i agree with very little politically except on some very core issues uh and yet yeah i i'm infinitely more likely to talk to you, uh, than them. Why is that? Well, yes, of course there's the history and there's just overlap in certain personality traits and a general distaste for humanity. But, (laughs) uh, but beyond that, uh, movies like movies, I don't require that somebody think about movies the way I do, but I do find that most of the people that I'm close friends with happen to. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, yeah. think, I think i think i i don't know if that's a fault with mine or if that, uh, with me or if just uh, the way things work as you get older yeah um but i do think that looking at that matt walsh article um it's like yeah this is probably what a a regular person and i don't say that with any uh you know not in the pejorative or anything like that but this is probably how a regular person thinks of most yeah. uh, about movies because and the term regular here I want to make sure, make
1: clear is subjective, right? A regular person in terms of movies. Sure. This yes, person yes. could be a world famous athlete. Yeah. You know, they could be exceptional in many other ways. Exactly. But in terms of how they think about movies, that's what, yeah. that, that's just what I mean. I I just yeah. really want the to aver- avoid. something. I'll say the average
0: moviegoer. Yeah. I'll put it that yeah. way. I, I just want to uh, make that sound snobby because the average moviegoer sees and again, I don't mean this in a pejorative. Like, they see the movies that are presented to them, uh, and you probably have a, a, some buzz and uh, a lot of. Uh marketing push. And so they will see that. And those movies tend to be, uh, the most watered down and the most, uh, generic because they need to appeal to a larger audience. And when you're seeing movies that are generic within a certain genre, uh, then yeah, they are going to seem all the same and you'll probably notice that and you'll probably be frustrated with it. Um, but yeah, so I, I was ha I was happy in the moment that like, rather than just be my usual angry self and just respond uh-huh. uh, in that regard, I was happy that I thought, like, well, hang on a minute. I just made an argument. I just made a film school argument. And to someone uh, against someone, again, all this was in my head, but against someone who did not go to film school. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of film school, okay. and then we'll get to the ads. But have you found,
1: because I feel like I'm, Man, this is getting into. We're going to get to the topic eventually, but there's so much stuff I've been thinking about recently. Um, I'll ask you this question first, and I'll get to the, the, the follow up. Have you found, especially with having gone back to film school and getting your masters, have you found that there are friends you had, you have that are movie people, but that you've changed beyond? Like, not again. Beyond sounds snobby, but your tastes have changed, and they're still like they're still talking about movies the way maybe you
0: did when you were back in college yes and that sounds it, it can it can sound i'll say this sorry back in undergrad for you i should have said right that. yeah yeah thank you please um yeah i will say that uh when i think about i was talking about this I, when i was in chicago i went to went to breakfast with uh, somebody that i was at ucla with um and i said like do you feel like the master's program, like, do you feel like it, it changed you in a quantifiable way? Like as a movie goer, I feel like I, I don't notice much change in myself before and after. I think as as a writer, I became much more comfortable with run on sentences, but beyond that, (laughs) uh, as long as they're structurally sound, no problem. Um, but beyond that, I feel like I haven't changed that much, but I do think in general, you know, Grad, grad school or no grad school, I do feel like, as a like this show, and then the people that I've known as a function of this show has changed the way that I look at movies. And I think I do look at them like another level down. Whereas when I do talk to some people that are good friends and that do have tremendous insight, um, I find that there is like, oh, okay, I've gone a level deeper than they seem able to go. And already I feel like an asshole for saying that, but I do think that when you talk movies as long as we have, and I don't just mm-hmm. mean 11 years, I mean hours at a time, Yeah, uh, I think it's going to have that impact.
1: But my, I've been self-reflective because I was kind of, I've been flabbergasted. It's it's awards screening season, mm-hmm. so I'm at a lot of movies where I'm, you know, at a, even at a press screening, the conversations you overhear before a movie starts are usually unbearable. Mm. Um, but they're a different kind of unbearable during for awards screen, see, award screenings. Okay. These aren't critics, but they are people who are in the industry. Yeah, And so I've heard a number of things. I heard just a couple days ago, leaving the screening, um, the person was like, "That was good. It wasn't an A plus. There have only been three A plus movies this year, and I wish I I think the third one might have been Vice. It was something I haven't actually seen yet. Okay. But it was like Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, and then another one. And I was like, those are, you know, those two movies he mentioned are movies that I saw and hated. And so I was, in a way that I will say was initially probably kind of snobby. I was thinking about how is it possible for a person to." clearly be passionate about movies but also have a part where nope i'm not going any further than that do you know what i'm saying this yeah. is what i understand a good movie to be and have my entire life and i'm not going any further yeah. i was being but i didn't, it occurred to me well i'm not exactly like i'm maybe a little more adventurous than that guy but i'm not seeking out my local micro cinema and watching right. you know eight millimeter experimental shorts like everyone has a, a place where they're where they're comfortable. I try to push it for myself. I try to push myself, but I, uh, this seemed to be an internal theme for me over the recent days, weeks, years, months, uh, months, years, um, of trying not to be a snob, even though I have snobbish reactions. And so that was my thought there was like, this person clearly cares about movies, taking time out of the day, watching movies, uh, trying to catch up. And just because they've put the sort of, They've put the goalposts at one place, and right. I've put them at a different place.
0: Doesn't mean I'm better than them, even though that is my initial reaction. It's it's a very, you know, I've, on this show, I've compared my love of movies to my uh, my spiritual beliefs. And, you know, when you're a Christian, especially if you grew up in the church and you're getting older, you see those goalposts all over the place. I mean, there are people for whom, like... They grew up in the church. They're not leaving the church. They're probably still going to stay in the church they grew up in, and they know, and they believe this, and they have a a rudimentary knowledge of it, and they know enough, and then there are people that it goes a little bit further and a little bit further. You know, I, I like to think that I have thought a great deal about My, uh, faith, I've read a number of, of books about it, like more intellectual books until the day comes when years ago I talked to somebody who was like getting their PhD, like in, in, uh, not in spirituality and like comparative religion or something like that. And he said he was writing his thesis on uh, the Trinity. Mm-hmm. you know father mm-hmm. son holy spirit and I, and I was just like i was like really well like like what's what's the hook and i immediately regretted asking that question because that's when i realized he his goal posts are miles oh, past wow. mine and i and on one hand i was just like good for him like good for him and it's exciting that someone is thinking that much about it and i was just like yeah i thought i was intellectual until i met one yeah and then i realized okay Clearly, I have a stopping point yeah. uh, with my own faith, and sometimes someone will ask a question that forces me to go a little bit further, and I'm thankful for it. But yeah, we all have the moment when we say, "All right, I uh,
1: <laughs> think we're good." Um, well, I'll get us—I'll I'll get us to ads by changing the topic by saying something stupid. Okay. When my mom was a kid, it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right. Then it became spirit. do you think spirit's here to stay, or do you think it's gonna keep changing as words can com- as we get older,
0: it could be like a holy vibe or something like that? <laughs> I can actually see that good <laughs> actually, yeah, depending on where in the country you are, I don't know, but because yeah, I, like I do it. know that uh that in certain places of in in like certain denominations it's still Holy Ghost. I believe okay. Baptists say Holy Ghost, I was raised with Holy Spirit, so was I, but that's yeah, my mom. Mom has a really interesting
1: uh, thing because Mom was born before Vatican II, before all the 1960s sort of mm-hmm. uh, things where, like, you don't have to do you don't have to do Mass in Latin anymore. Yeah. The priest can face the congregation as opposed to that's so the only old way is to the priest represented the congregation to God, so actually did yeah. the entire Mass. With his back to the congregation, because he was like, this is my flock. I'm looking up at you. Um, Like Jim Morrison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then also, like, um, things like, uh, but that's what I'm saying is, like, just because the Vatican changed things, like, it didn't, every Catholic in the world didn't suddenly go, okay, I'm okay with this now. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, I think my mom's generation still feels, of of Catholics still feels like um, cremation is bad even sure. though it's since the 1960s it's been perfectly okay with the catholic church yeah. for you to be cremated it wasn't okay afterwards and those those attitudes don't die so easy right see i saw, i said it was going to be a dumb thing about the holy spirit yeah, and now i'm talking fine. about uh,
0: anyway let's let's pay some bills we I can guess. take anything that's dumb and somehow legitimize it that's podcasting okay this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Movie's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $8.99 $9 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. David, I'm excited about this. Currently available on Movie. Is Paul Schrader's *Adam Resurrected*? Oh, I know you're a big fan of this. the one. movie. Is ten years old. I absolutely adore it. Uh, when I when I saw well, f- what, just it's I, I hate to be the like oh I feel old, but the
1: idea that a movie that came out after we started the podcast oh, yeah. can now be a decade old,
0: very because much I so. remember you talking about this movie on the podcast when you saw it. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it is a marvelous film. When I saw First Reformed*, I thought. You know this i I adore first reformed and i thought i wonder if this will get people more aware of adam resurrected um well it sounds like
1: movies doing their part to make uh, your dream come true it
0: is yeah it's my lifelong dream i mean 10 years ago it's you know it's my dream but Mm um but yeah it features uh a really great. When we think of Jeff Goldblum now, we have a very specific idea. Not unlike Christopher Walken, we know how he talks. We can do an impression of him, and he yeah. seems aware of it. And there's, and that's fine. Uh, but not unlike Christopher Walken in say Catch Me If You Can, like Jeff Goldblum is still quite capable of acting. Um, and even when he's playing quote unquote himself, he's still acting. Don't get me wrong. But in Adam Re- Resurrected, it is just a, a fascinating. Hodgepodge of ideas that seem to coalesce around his performance. Uh, and essentially, his character is a, a, a man who uh, is an entertainer. He's a clown uh, in Germany and uh, is Jewish. And uh, he, then he gets sent to a concentration camp, but. He is able to stay alive by being like the local, uh, the 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 commandant's dog. Like quite literally, he has to act like a dog, and the commandant is played by Willem Dafoe. And it's very uncomfortable, of course, but mm-hmm. it's also just like really horrifying when he sees that. Like, hey, not only so when the Holocaust is over, like not only did I survive and other people did not, but I survived by doing such a humiliating thing. So he just feels particularly dehumanized and it's just a, and yet it is also kind of funny at times. And it's, I've only scratched the surface. I didn't even talk about the magic, uh, or the wild, like the actual, like, uh, wild child that he encum- that he encounters afterwards and decides to take in and domesticate. Like there's so much crazy <laughs> stuff going on, but I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, in the world of video games, I don't know why I know this. There's something called a system seller. All right, it's the idea that there's a game that is exclusive to one system, right, okay. and it is so good that mm-hmm. people say you should buy the system so that you can play that game. Uh, I can go ahead and say that Adam Resurrected in my opinion is a system seller for Mubi. Uh don't be wrong like a lot of the movies that we've talked about are really great but yeah. Adam Resurrected is a, is kind of a hard film to find. And so that's great. You'll get 29 other great movies at this exact moment uh if you get Mubi. Uh
1: including A Touch of Sin.
0: Including the, a touch of Yes, thank you. Jia Zhangke, I don't know how you say his name Yeah, but the, that that
1: filmmaker's uh, movie.
0: Yeah, She's uh, very good. Yeah, I, I will say that. Uh, so every every week there are movies that they want us to talk about, but they also give us the freedom to talk about whatever movies that they, they that we want to. And when I saw Adam Resurrected, I was like, "Sorry, email, you're going away. Uh, I want to talk about this film." And uh, and yeah, if you liked First Reformed, I highly recommend As- uh, Adam Resurrected. Uh, so you can uh, get movie. Mubi- for that and for uh, the other great movies, there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Retention. If you have not already, you can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com that's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Uh, And then this episode is also brought to you by The Dice Enthusiast Presents Podcast This podcast follows a group of friends trying to make It in a world where it seems like they have no control Of the dice and even less control Over their lives Uh, In the final few episodes the friends find Themselves lost in depression while on Vacation trying their best to help Each other uh, to help out their friends even though They can't really help themselves and once uh, once A revelation of one of the Friends having a secret life is out In the open the year seems to crumble apart And one of the players makes a terrible choice and attempt to solve their problems so catch up with uh the podcast at dice dice enthusiast presents uh or dice enthusiast.com so all right and that's it
1: i i would like to tell you about tweaked audio.com you see tweaked audio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great and Tyler and I use them each and every day. Lately, I've been... It's uh, cram time, so I've been... uh, Much like I do with movies, I've been trying to listen to some of the best uh, albums of the Mm. year, specifically a lot of the best uh, metal albums today. I um, really enjoyed an album by a band called The Ocean, I think. Uh, That was really good. Um, I've also been listening to... I think this is something I think you would... I know you're not a big metal guy but i think you should check out a group called zeal and ardor zeal and ardor yes okay it is um a sort of artsy experimental or not experimental but it's sort of an artsy hybrid of metal forms with uh some like gospel okay it's it's really good it's also um some pretty heavy stuff cuz a lot of it goes back to slavery and racism and, and stuff mm. like that there's uh heavy stuff but um uh it sounded great on my tweaked all right and uh there was, those are available at a low low price at tweaked but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension okay it's time to commit
0: 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself At Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And actually, I will say before we get into it, um, we do have a special deal right now for Christmas uh, on our Harry Potter commentaries. Um, We recorded the first four back in the spring and then the the last four a couple months ago. and uh, we were selling them at $10 each separately, but just in time for Christmas, and this is for a limited time, it's only going to go for the next three weeks or so, uh, we are selling all eight Harry Potter commentaries uh, for Fifteen dollars. Okay, yeah. so if you go to BattleshipRetention com, you'll see an ad on the left hand side. It says Harry Potter commentaries, fifteen dollars. Click on that, uh, and then we will send them to you uh, within a day or two. Um, and uh, yeah, 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 that's like twenty hours. Yeah, of, it's, I
1: was going to say it's less than a dollar an hour. Yeah, um, for something that uh, drove us insane. Uh, yeah, on <laughs> in two days, absolutely uh, of twenty eighteen. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I, I feel like we do a little sale like this every. Um, every holiday season. Yeah. Uh, This one worked out, especially because, uh, because we have our two commentaries this year were one big thing. So this is your chance. If you, if you missed out on it, um, you've got a limited time here uh, during the holidays to catch up on all, again, 20 hours of us and our, uh, and your friends, uh, BP friends talking about Harry
0: Potter. Like imagine actually like watching, imagine doing it in, in one weekend that is so much us uh, and our wonderful guests but I just I feel like the person you have the opportunity to go even crazier than we did Yeah. because we had months in between uh, the first four and the second four yeah. you could allow yourself I don't know six hours in between and then get started again and just really really ruin your weekend
1: alright let's get into it shall we indeed um,
0: what did you want to talk about? So I don't exactly remember where this came about, but, um, okay. If I had to guess, I would say that I really need to stop listening for a number of reasons. I'm sure to uh, political commentary because all, all it does is bum me out. Um, yeah, I thought you
1: had cut back on
0: that. I had, and then I just fell back into it. It's hard. I, it's difficult because I do want to stay informed. Uh, I want to be, uh, up on, on things. Uh, and so what I do, which is first off, I, as
1: a rule, don't watch or listen to news. I only read news. Yeah. That's part of it. And also I basically only read sites that, you know, your parents have heard of. I'm not like going to to the fringy sites like, the I read on the on on the slightly leaning left side. I read the the New York Times and the Washington Post. And the slightly mm-hmm. leaning leaning right side, I read the Wall Street Journal. What I can so much of it. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal isn't just to the right; it's also the Wall Street Journal. So a lot of it is about stocks, and I yeah, don't understand. Yeah. But I do read the Wall Street Journal. I want to read Financial Times, but you can't get a an email newsletter for free from financial times, true to their name. It's a subscription only. Whereas like wall street journal, even if there's a paywall, I can for free, I can get the newsletter and I can click on a certain number of things a month or just read or or just read the headlines and the little bit. They give you so, and then I would say the most, the the craziest, fringiest thing I read only in that it's the newest. Mm -hmm. It's actually probably the least fringy is Politico. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they essentially, for the most part, political covers politics, you know, that stuff that affects everything that we and everyone else do mm-hmm. day in and literally governs and decides how people live their lives. Political covers it like it's sports and <laughs> yeah. that really
0: makes it able to go down a little easier for me. And I can tell you one time they covered the Oscars. That's right. That's that was right. me last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is difficult. Like The thing is, I have a very long commute, and in fact, starting next semester, I'm going to have a longer commute, more regularly. Uh, And so I was listening to audio... There's no shortage of podcasts. I know. I was listening to audiobooks. Today, I I started getting back into Comedy Bang Bang. Um, I see that uh, it it had... um, our friend Paul F. Tompkins and uh, Bobby Moynihan on it, and it was hilarious. I I think I love all of Paul F. Tompkins' characters. He's not there as himself, um, and so there's that. Anyway, so I, but I do occasionally listen to uh, some political podcasts here and there, and th- and this is movie season, you know, like the, the it's it really is the season when when political commentators suddenly start talking about movies a little bit more because you're now assessing the year and the Oscars are coming up and and there are ceremonies, which means someone's going to say something. Uh, The the Kevin Hart thing was happening. So, uh, so I couldn't really get away from it, but uh, I, and for the life of me, and thankfully I forget who said it, but somebody simply referred to film as escapism Mm -hmm. and said, and and sort of decried the idea of movies that that are not interested in that, that are not interested in uh, entertaining the audience and and that kind of thing. Uh, i'm I'm very. I'm very much paraphrasing here. And so it was ultimately like the person was saying like, why can't these movies just like give us what we want? What we want is escapism. What we don't want are these really dour, like political allegories and that sort of thing. Now, of course, my, yourself. I know my first <laughs> reaction is like, Hey, uh, I'm here too, yeah. buddy. Uh, but obviously, it, I mean, if you're
1: like, especially for someone on the right, if people are going to see them, then there's a reason they exist,
0: right? Right. that's, <laughs> that's the thing is, and that actually, That's a big part of my article recently about uh, about Ben Shapiro, which is the idea that's like, hey, uh, a movie shouldn't necessarily like just because a movie made a lot of money and people like it, like that doesn't entitle it to Best Picture. And similarly, if a movie was not seen by many people, that doesn't mean it should be uh, banned from or or, you know, I don't know what you'd say, excluded from the Best Picture category. Like, and and it's where it's it's where like the free this the political the the conservative like free market thinking which is well everybody really likes it and so it must be it must be good it's like that might work with a lot of products yeah commodities but, but that's not what this is yeah. anyway so, so the think, point is okay i have more to say <laughs> oh undoubtedly about um, that. but the point that i got to not unlike when i was thinking about the the matt walsh article it's like okay what, is, what does escapism mean? And this is not unlike when years ago when we had Jason on, on the show and we're talking about the idea of overthinking a movie. Okay. In the, sim, in the same way, like, if someone says, oh, you're just overthinking, it's like, well, what does overthinking even mean? Like, I might be thinking about it exactly enough. I might be overthinking it for you. And similarly, one could make the argument that every movie is escapism. People have a very and every movie is entertaining in its own way. If it's only as I think it is for you, uh, for you and and me, if it's about engagement, emotional and intellectual engagement, then any movie, you know, First Reformed is one of the most entertaining movies I saw all year. It's not, it doesn't fit with the traditional definition of entertaining, but so it got me thinking: what qualifies as as escapism? And Like defining that understanding that most people mean something that is a bit more fantastical, probably something that is a little bit outside of our reality. Um, And if that's the case, like where where does escapism what role does it play for people like you and me? Uh, hmm. because I still do enjoy it. You know, the other night, uh, you know, I've got a big stack of screeners here, mm-hmm. movies that are very important, but I did just get Infinity War for Christmas, and so that's what I watched. You know it's not Christmas yet. Somebody sent it to me, and I opened it because I wanted to see... I There's some mix-up with Christmas lists, and I predict I'm going to be getting some things a couple of times. Um, How many different people... I have my mom, okay, and then Jen's family.
1: Oh, okay, And yeah. it's, it's that. I pretty much have my wife gets me stuff, right? And my mom does, and then my wife's family usually just gets me like gift cards or money. Hey. And that already came because that's Hanukkah. That already, right. That already happened.
0: Yeah. Um, so, and and also, and Jen and I were also feeling kind of low the other night, and so we just looked at the presents under the tree that my mom sent us. We're like, yeah, all right, let's do this.
1: I'm glad you say like. I'm glad you think of infinity war as escapism because I feel like because of the way it ends, people yeah. talk about it like it's the heaviest movie of the year, but it's, it's the really... heaviest escapist movie of the year. But, <laughs> but also that's just the very end. Like the movie's two hours and what? 35 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Let's say 10 of that is credits. Sure. So two hours and 20 minutes of In- infinity war is a total blast.
0: Yeah. It's just the very end that is sad. <laughs> and I do like, yeah, it's, uh, th- there's no question about it. Like as I was watching it, I, I I do respect that movie more and more precisely because they draw out the fact that these characters have lost. And even though you and I are cynical movie people and we know that everything's going to be fine in the next one, <laughs> um, they didn't have to draw that out. They didn't have to treat, they didn't have to like really let the emotion sit with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I had a, like when I first
1: saw it, I think I had a bit of a problem with, with that, for the very re- reason that you're saying, like I know, I know they're going to be fine. Like everything's going right. to be fine. Why is this going on so long? But I did once. I sat with it for a day or two. Yeah. Um. I I liked it.
0: Um. But anyway, so like okay. I I opted the other night rather than watch the movies that I'm supposed to be watching. Um. I watched a movie that I that would then be the third time that I saw it, <laughs> and a movie that is currently in my top 10, but I think it's going to be bumped out soon when I watch these other things. But uh, it's a film that I really love and really respond to. But I I felt like a bad movie person at that point.
1: Uh, Not just for seeing something
0: I'd already seen, but for seeing that. Yeah, I don't think you should. I think
1: you should always just watch what you want to watch. Um, But uh, what I wanted to get, before we get really into escapism, I wanted to go back to something you were saying about a movie that makes a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Right. And that's true. A movie makes a lot of money. That just means the marketing worked or whatever, yeah. whatever sort of thing.
0: But or sometimes they're tapped into something maybe,
1: but sometimes there are movies and maybe this is, it, this is sort of a free market to idea, but not the free market of actual commerce, the free market of cultural ideas and mm. opinions. Sometimes there's a movie that comes out that I don't like. Okay. And it makes a ton of money. And at first I'm just like, "Ah, that's just one of those movies that tends to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But then you go to like, because a lot of those movies that tend to make a lot of money get forgotten. Yeah. But you go to 10 years, 15 years later and people still love it. Does it make you go like, maybe there's something I was missing. I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples. Both romantic comedies. uh, And one I never saw. I never saw the proposal. Okay. With Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. That movie made gobs of money for a romantic comedy, but no one talks about like, you don't see people tweeting and like tweeting about right. the proposal. They're not happy when it shows up on TBS or whatever. Like they're not making a musical I Haven't made a musical out of it or anything. Um, but then take legally blonde, which was also a movie that I didn't, what I did see. and right. didn't care for, but here we are. more than what is it 16 years was that 2002 that's i think
0: that's 2002
1: 16 years later people still love legally blonde is there i don't i don't remember how you feel about the movie if you you even saw it but in a case like that, there's a part of you that goes maybe there must be something there
0: yeah uh it definitely if something sticks around i do think other things come into play there was a sequel a sequel will keep a movie in the public consciousness a little bit longer um okay for a little bit longer but still like you know i feel that way about fast and furious which is like oh uh, i didn't see it and i was very quick t- to dismiss it but i guess it did you know it stuck around it's like well it stuck around cuz there's eight of them but then there's eight but of no, them because, the because people kind of yeah, because yeah yeah, yeah. cuz people keep seeing them and so yeah i do think that there is an argument to be made you know on one hand you get you have stuff like knight of the hunter which people didn't see and as time has gone on admittedly film people uh, more than the average uh, joe um just absolutely treasure that movie but you could take in a more populous
1: way it's a wonderful life which sure. a movie there that you was go. a that's great uh a, 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 a kind of a bomb right yeah um and only uh what year is wonderful life 46 47 okay so it wasn't until 20 years later that it started yeah. showing up on TV every year. And then people Yeah. now it's a, it's a classic. And in our but, lifetime but movies
0: like office space and big Lebowski, like the work classics yeah. and now people just know them.
1: But that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. The almost the opposite, the movie that the critics dismiss in mm-hmm. a
0: way. Right. Yeah. I'm saying that like, that's like we have one version and then there's the other with it. We tend not to talk about, which is like, Hey, this movie maybe. We may have thought it was shit, and it might actually be shit, but it is shit that actually seemed to connect with people
1: and so does that doesn't that make it not sh- I know this isn't the 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 topic, but I've been thinking right. about this a lot lately um, and, I've, and' a lot of the unfortunately a lot of the examples that I've come up with, and I wonder if this has to do with um, the things that you know we talked about the demographics of critics a mm. lot in over the over recent years and I don't mean you and me specifically but in the film world like the stuff like I mentioned legally blonde pretty woman is a movie that I still don't like sure but obviously all like it means something to a lot of people mm. um, and these movies that were not critically very well received is is that because of something that critics were missing because they're critics or is it something that seemed not to be critically well received because of because it's a movie that is not aimed at the demographics that most critics are and especially were 15, 20 years ago. It is be, it some blend of those? Yeah,
0: things? it could be that. I think when something sticks around, this is how I feel, and I recognize you know it's directed by Brian De Palma and all that, but this is how I feel about Scarface, the the eighty three Scarface remake. Like I. Did not like it when I first saw it. I've seen it since. Still don't like it. I don't like it.
1: See, I actually did like it when I first saw it, and then I
0: grew up, and I was like, oh, this is stupid. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A lot of people absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people cite it as like one of their favorite movies ever, and now I can't—just because a lot of people like it, that doesn't mean that I— I will say I'll give it another another look. I'll give it another thought, and if I still don't see it, I'm not going to say, "Well, I'm wrong." <laughs> uh, if anything, I'll say I'm right uh, because you know I know what I'm talking about, and I do. You know, I've got that master's from UCLA. But the point is, um, <laughs> okay, no, I've I've gone to right. that joke a couple of times. But you're right. I am right, but at the same time, like it's come on, who gives a shit? And so, uh, but no, it's UCLA. It's not like you got your masters from USC. <laughs> Exactly. It's, 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 it's fucking Jake Bart. Anyway, the point is um, the. But I will, I think I will say, you know, we quoted Jimmy Pardo earlier that uh, he, there are times when like he would reference a movie on stage and the crowd would react. And it was a movie that he'd, he'd reference Twilight or something like that. And the audience would react. And he interrupts what he's saying to say, like, it's not for you. All right. Uh-huh. And and similarly I do think that like if there's a movie like Scarface which is like all right, this has never affected me positively. Like I've never in- been able to engage with it. But Brian De Palma directed it, Al Pacino's in it along with a number of other really good uh actors and it's not working for me, it worked for other people, so maybe it just wasn't for me. Yeah. So there it, it must connect with someone in some other way but just not for me and I have my reasons. Yeah. Um, I, uh, this is we're so far off topic, Yeah, but
1: a similar thing recently, a movie that in some ways is very much for me in terms of politics, mm. but when I'm going to sit, I think it is to go back to what you're talking about before we did the ads. Like when I'm, when I'm sitting in front of a movie, I'm, I'm a cinema person first yeah. often. And so I really truly wish that I loved the Hate You Give, right? I didn't hate it. I think, in fact, I think parts of it are really strong, and really well done. It's beautifully shot by that guy whose name is crazy, okay, uh, Mihai Mary, whatever oh, the guy yeah, yeah. who made the, who shot The Master. I think um, there's so many things that are great about it, but then there are also so many things that feel so forced and hackneyed and run in the mill about it that I couldn't love it as much as the. You know the SJW and me wanted to love it. Right. Um, well, a movie still has uh, to do its job. That's the thing. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish I loved it more, but apparently, speaking of the prestigious organizations, I'm a member of the LA Online Film Critics Society. All loved it. I mean, apart from me, because they nominated it for Best Picture. I believe they gave it Best Picture. I mean, didn't they, they? I'm sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. They gave it Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, boy, good. that was surprising. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. I voted for Madeline's Madeline. (laughs) 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 Or I nominated Madeline's Madeline. Didn't make the nominations. I'm sure of the nominations, I probably went with Roma or A Star is Born. That's to reason.
0: Yeah. Um, Uh, Do you think think they're being contrarian? They're like, you know what? We are not going to go with the ones that all the other critics are going to do. We're going to do our own thing. I don't know. I mean, it's not...
1: It's a voting body of... It's not as huge as the Online Film Critics Society. It's like... I don't know whether There's like 40, 50 people in the Mm -hmm. LA OFCS. So I guess when you've got a smaller body like that, it can be, you can get some interesting results because you're not getting a watered down consensus. You know, one vote goes a long, a longer way. That's Uh, true. Yes. Yeah. Like voting Um, for the Senate in Montana, as opposed to voting for the Senate for a Senator in California or voting for almost
0: anything in California. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah. Uh okay. yeah, there's a lot of us. Anyway, back to Escapism. Here's why I'm so glad you brought up Escapism when okay. you did. Because again, last night I saw Mortal Engines. Okay. Which I hated. But the point is I was I had this escapism thing in my mind and I was like, Well, this is a bajillion dollar movie, mm-hmm. right? Huge special effects, uh visual effects spectacle extravaganza, right? Mm this is popcorn escapist fair, right? Well, no, like every other young adult adaptation for the last nearly decade. Yeah. It's a dystopian science fiction movie. So this goes to what is, it's almost trite to point out. It's been pointed out so much, but the mainstream cinema or just popular entertainment of an era says something, speaks to something about that era whether it was even necessarily intended to consciously or not. And so to me, in a way, there's really no such thing as escapism because every movie is a mirror. Every work of art is a mirror. Um, that's reflecting back, uh, especially the people who were seeing it at the time that it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I wanted to talk about
0: three different... I, had, I don't know how you if you had structured anything. Here. I did not.
1: Um, but It I, seemed
0: like a good old-fashioned BP, unstructured conversation.
1: So I broke, and I, with some help from some research, I did. Three different kinds of, quote-unquote, escapists. Oh, this is exciting. Okay. Right? Again, I, wish, I did a bunch of research, and I can't remember where I read this. And I kind of also kind of adapted it to my okay. own thinking. One of them, fantasy. Literally leaving the world. Sure. Right? Yeah. Another one period pieces okay. leaving the present right and often getting a somewhat rosy colored view of the past because a lot of period pieces tend to take place among the upper classes yeah. you know there aren't as many period pieces about how truly awful life must have been if you were say a serf.
0: right you know what i mean um, it's always about the lords you know unless it's a western or charles dickens uh-huh
1: yeah yeah um, oh, more on Dickens uh, next week. Um, Indeed, and then the third, and this is where I really wish I had written down where I read this, but I credit. It. Um, and I can't remember what they—they they didn't have a a, a a pithy name for it or, or a short name for it, so I called it sanitization. Movies that take place theoretically within our reality. Okay, yeah, in in our, in our modern day, mm-hmm. but in which the problems that plague the world have been excised from the movies i'll go back to romantic comedies a lot of romantic comedies okay um you know are uh, are about this um and a lot of them aren't but a lot of the bad ones i think maybe yeah. do that but there are good ones too right that romance in general is it, it is a uh, um a subgenre or whatever of movies that pretty much just focuses on the positive um, elements of love and of and of life, and except a lot of romances are also tragic romances, but I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the like the movies about people falling in love, where the biggest the biggest obstacle is that for a week they're like, oh, maybe they're not gonna fall in love because. She was, he was talking about this and she
0: overheard him, but she, she yeah. thought he meant something else. And then she just didn't talk to him for a week. Right. Uh, I hate that. But to, to bring up uh, trifecta now to bring up Jimmy Pardo. Once again, uh, so many romantic comedies could be resolved with a post-it note. Yeah.
1: Um. And I, so I want to talk about how I think with mortal engines, I kind of got how fantasy is not really, uh, escapism. Right. Right. I think period pieces are definitely not really escapism because I think there's a, you can always make a correlation to like, well, why are we telling this? Why are we going to this part of history now? Yeah. You know, why are we going to the story now? But what about, what about the third category? What about movies that take place? Um, and I feel like I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm focusing on so-called women's movies, but like Hallmark movies. Sure. Um, you know things tend to be pretty easy. The stakes
0: tend to be pretty low. Um, like, is is that the true form
1: of escapism?
0: Well, so in thinking about this myself, uh, I arrived pretty much at the third one, um, and the way I described it to myself was: it's an alternate reality where, you know, the way you described it is like the problems of the world are taken out. It's like, well depending on the movie, not all of them. One could say that, say, that like the films, films based on Elmore Leonard. Okay. That's escapism. Some problems ha- of the world have been taken out. Others have been, have, have stayed and have been expanded a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like in the world of like the, cr- like the crime, not necessarily the crime drama, but, uh, cause I think escapist, Film, uh, drama rare, is rarely escapist if it starts to become escapist it usually becomes melodrama like things become heightened yeah. and overblown a bit um to the point where it's not super recognizable i think that's that's that to me if you are able to recognize the m- the world of the movie as almost a one to one parallel uh of your own then you're not escaping you're not mm-hmm. actually going anywhere now um, what about uh so
1: a couple of things i okay. think sometimes with the i, I was focusing on movies that are advertised towards women. I don't want to say women's movies because I tend to, I tend to like, I, yes. I, I like romances a lot. Uh, yeah. I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, but, and maybe the reason I wasn't thinking about, you know, male focused escapist movies is because it's a different thing that I hadn't considered. It's, it's not that they don't have problems It's that their problems are not problems that we would ever have to deal with. None of us, is ever going to have to uh, keep our heart rate rate above whatever, <laughs> like Jason Statham and Crank, right? Right, yeah, Like, yeah. that's, you know, uh, so that's not, certainly not a movie that's conflict-free, right. but it is escapist in that... The it, conflict is
0: <laughs> uh, uncommon.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, and so uh, I feel like there was more that I was going to say uh, in regards to that. But, um, uh, so that's another kind of escapism I hadn't thought about. And here's one... I don't know if escapism is the right word, but if we think of escapism, I think a lot of, again, to use the word, the term we keep using this episode, non-movie people or mm-hmm. regular movie people yeah. tend to think of, or you'll hear a phrase about like movies that you don't have to think about, or you can turn off I'd your brain, turn off your brain, that yeah. sort of thing. absolutely. And I actually, this being award season, there's a kind of movie that I really hate that sounds like it's not escapism, but it is I think actively trying to get people to turn off their brains. Okay. And that's things like Boy Erased and Green Book, which are movies that are, on the surface, they're about, oh, these are real problems. Mm-hmm. But they are absolutely at every turning point discouraging you to think critically about them. Mm-hmm. They are encouraging you to just sit there. And bask in your own self affirmation for being like, ah, I'm a person who recognizes that gay conversion therapy is psychological and physical torture or recognizes that racism is wrong, you know, and because I'm here, I'm doing my part. So it's 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 uh, it's um, really just there to flatter the audience. Uh, I was going to say fillet the audience, but maybe that's a little too. I don't know. No, I said it. So uh, Flatter is fine. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and, and that's, I don't know, again, I don't really think escapism truly exists in art at all. Sure. But that is a kind that people, I think, we don't think about. But there is a kind of
0: movie that is a quote-unquote issues movie, but also discourages critical thought. Along those lines, uh, this is probably painting with too broad a brush. But do you feel like there is an element to escapism where... Intellect, not to imply intelligence, but like an intellectual approach is played down, and emotional, and an emotional approach is played up. Like you're not necessarily supposed to think about these movies; you're supposed to feel them. But that's not escapism because you feel too, right? Like, you seldom at the same time for me. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, it's. Like I said, it's, it's maybe too broad a brush, but like green book and I've not seen boy Erase, but those are movies that I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll just speak for green book It's, it's escapist entertainment, a hundred percent, uh, well, I'm sure some people would disagree with that, but I feel like it's not a movie that you're supposed to think about. I think it's a movie that you're it's supposed to hit you on an instinct gut level and you're supposed to feel your way through and that's not necessarily to delegitimize it. I think the issue comes when it thinks that it's more than that than right. it is uh, and is certainly put out well, that's a marketing thing, and that's but the film I think thinks it's making some really good points when in fact it is reaffirming something that you know and something that is not a bad thing to be reaffirmed but it's almost purely instinct it's that it's that old idea of like it's like oh it's uh it's a it's in your gut you feel it in your gut you know you never say you think it in your gut you know but there's also that's i
1: think there's different layers to emotional response as well i think there are um one of my favorite phrases which i have uh well you know they say that uh what is it greatness borrows genius steals exactly so there are let's look at some genius here there's uh, there's a, there a phrase that i had read mo- more than once in jonathan rosenbaum that i have i will fully admit have lifted and uh, used in my reviews yeah but it's the phrase uh lightweight uplift sure um which i think is the idea that it's what you're talking about but it's it's just the superficial it's almost like a um what what do you, what do you call it? Like a reflex, like Mm -hmm. a reflex response. Yeah. It's appealing to like, there were movies that I hated that I cried during. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Like, uh, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say I hate this, but, uh, um, do you remember the movie, If I Stay with Chloe Grace Moretz a few years ago? Vaguely. Um, Very emotional movie. I cried more than once in the movie. I wouldn't say it's a good movie at all. But, but then there are movies that I think take you, uh, somewhere deeper in your emotions. They, uh, you experience emotions you didn't necessarily expect to experience when you paid for your ticket and sat down, sure. uh, in, in the theater. Um, uh, I keep thinking of Nicholas rogue because like I say, I've been <laughs> watching Nicholas mm-hmm. rogue, uh, movies, um, a, a lot, but you know, walkabout, which has always been my favorite of, of his movies is, uh, it's a real journey and it mm-hmm. definitely puts you like a lot of Nicholas rogue movies do, um, some more preposterously than others. This one is a, a little bit lower on the preposterousness scale. So yeah, it puts you through the the ringer and you feel things you weren't expecting to feel. Sometimes Nicholas rogue will try and get you, I shouldn't talk about him so much cause we're going to do an episode, Yeah, yeah. but he will try to, it's several weeks from now. Don't yeah, worry about it. He will sort of intentionally try to milk eroticism from something that you intellectually are like, this is not supposed to be ironic. And so I think that that's, that's not intellectual. That's emotional, but it's different than just
0: that lightweight uplift. Yeah. It's. And so the question then is like, what would you describe as intellectual escapism, you know, or, or escapism that hits you on an intellectual level? I don't really think escapism exists is the
1: thing. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, sometimes it's hard. To, there are certain things. I don't think you've seen Mary Poppins Returns yet. I have not. I've sent you multiple screening invites. You haven't been I'm able to make it. I'm busy. As are we all. Um, I found time to see it. Um, but it is like.
0: Mary I Poppins am Returns. molding minds, my friend. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's usually just like, hey, let's watch Batman Returns. But okay. Uh, but yeah,
1: Mary Poppins Returns definitely feels like, well, maybe that is escapism. I think there's something. About Oh, here's something I think about a lot okay. that that, that kind of applies to this because I, um, tend to be as a leftist. I tend to be very class conscious. Sure. And so I can't help but notice how often in mainstream movies, the characters are of above average wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, and there's a part of me that's like, this is bullshit. This is, dishonest about the actual way of life of most people. But then you also have to remember, well, sometimes there's something, maybe a lot of the time it's not uh, a negative thing for a person to be aspirational. Sure. I, again, getting back to my leftist, uh, uh, BS. Um, I don't think we should define, aspiration as just moving up the economic ladder sure but that is a part of it and that is a part of the pursuit of happiness in the United States of America and so seeing people you know even though Mary Poppins is a movie about Ben Wish, Mary Poppins Returns is a movie about Ben Wishell's character theoretically going through a foreclosure a potential foreclosure on his home and he has to save the home this isn't he isn't Andrew Garfield, 99 homes. This right. is, we know what's going to happen. Mary Poppins is going to come down from the sky and yeah. somehow find a way to save the home. there's so there, just like, a big bag of money here. <laughs> yeah. We know from the Let's beginning, on an adventure. it's, it's going to be okay. Um, and, uh, I don't think that. So, so I, again, like with my snobby reaction to the guy who loved Bohemian Rhapsody, I need to, I need to check myself <laughs> and check yeah. my, my, uh, well, you should always check your privilege. I don't think that's what this is. This is uh, check your snobbery. I don't know. Uh, check your pretensions. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: and check your assumptions, I think, yeah. maybe is a big part of it. Like, Yeah. Sort of, because I think there is, similarly, when I was responding in my mind to uh, the Matt Walsh article, I'm sort of assuming that he has the same, not even, not even, uh, not even expectations or anything like that but that he has the same definitions of things that I do and it's just why can't like well we already we we agree on this so why can't you just think logically and it's like well uh-huh. we don't agree on that like there's I just made an assumption there yeah and so I think yeah that's a that's a big part of it
1: so yeah um, maybe, yeah these like there's one thing um that I think liberals especially white liberals um can be very condescending without thinking about it. Um, Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not news to anyone, especially (laughs) not to anyone sitting opposite me at this table. Um, but, uh, um, you know, the, we, it's not our job to watch out for, the lower income people who are going to the movies, they're not going to be offended by the fact that the Kevin McAllister lives in a mansion. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's what they want to see. Right. You know, who knows? Or, you know, one person might want to see something different. Another person that reminds me speaking of, that's why the reason I said white liberals is think about how often, you know, a white liberal filmmaker or storyteller, when they set a movie, they're, they're sympathetic, empathetic movie about black Americans. It's like the projects or it's a sharecropper or there's something a, like that, you know, and how a, often black filmmakers make movies about middle-class and of middle class black yeah. people because they exist. Yeah. Of course they exist. Yeah. And, uh, the people, black, black Americans who were lower down the chain don't need to, uh, be, protected from the fact that some people have money and this is America. Hopefully you can have money someday too. I think there are some things that need to change. But uh being there's a difference between being uh dishonest and bourgeois and being aspirational. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and I and I think maybe liberals, especially white liberals like myself, um tend to not give as much credence to the latter.
0: Yeah, uh there's a, a college humor sketch that's very funny, uh called uh I'm not poor, I'm black. And it's and it's like the, the, the staff like the one of the black staff writers, uh like they're all going out to eat or something and, and like this one and like a white woman is saying it's like it's like we I mean I can I can pay for this man. he's like no, it's it's wait, it's fine. What? <laughs> like and just and it's and it's very funny. It's it's yeah. uh like there's there's it's whenever you want, like if you in, in an attempt to try to be sympathetic so, towards somebody, which is not a bad instinct. Um, yeah, it's always possible to be reductive yeah. of them. And, um, and, uh, condescending. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. Um, so my question, so now that we've firmly established escapism as something that may or may not actually exist, yeah. uh, <laughs> this show is such bullshit. not this episode just in general like uh, we we make jokes about how we just swirl around something and come to no conclusions but i actually like the fact that in this case we've gone further back Uh we actually uh we're like marty sherman and the and the critic where he tries to do the high jump or or the long (laughs) jump and winds up behind the line um i feel like that's where we are right now damn that's a good show um and so uh but what i will say is that like I wonder I feel like we can't keep going to this well, but it's something lately we've been talking about a lot. It's like you know it when you see it, <laughs> uh, escapism, or certainly you know you know when you see the trailer for it. Uh, but uh, but I was I was wondering like what role could,
1: I, don't know, I don't know that I agree. I, I again okay. because it's still my I'm not convinced that escapism is something that actually exists. okay okay, because I, th- I think I think of it more like this, um, like I said. Populist entertainment tends to reflect back the time in which, in which it was made. Sure. So, quote-unquote escapist movies are actually often more like like our dreams. Like, Sure. I might not have a dream that's literally about what's going on in my life, mm-hmm. but the things that are going on in my life are absolutely affecting the, the, the dreams that I have.
0: So maybe the conversation should be more about intention uh, versus execution, because a filmmaker can go in, you know, Roland Emmerich, there we go. Roland Emmerich yeah. can go can decide, I'm going to make a Godzilla movie. Uh, and it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a, pop, a popcorn entertainment. That's all it's going to be. Like, that's his intention. Uh, but regardless of how hard he tries, like, he's not going to be able to make a movie that is 100%... Escapism,
1: yeah. I mean, exactly. Uh, Yeah, I mean, especially someone who makes disaster movies like that's clearly about. That's clearly going to reflect back some of our cultural anxieties. Yeah, Um, but Godzilla, I only saw it the once, but um, I tried to pick um, the movie that maybe is least informed by anything. But who's who's the mayor? It's um, it's Michael Lerner, Michael Lerner, and isn't he a very '90s Clinton era backboneless leader type?
0: Yeah, and because uh, you see a
1: lot of in the 90s American cinema, you see a lot of um, leaders like Mars Attacks is a great example because I rewatched sure. that recently. Leaders who are too hesitant, too trepidatious yeah. about. Acting.
0: And And there's usually a military man Um, off to the side saying, no, we should absolutely do that. You know, Rod Steiger and Mars attacks. Yeah. Uh, Incidentally, (laughs) Um, do you know the name of Michael, Michael Lerner's character in Godzilla? Oh, isn't it like Ebert? His last name is, is Ebert. And then like his personal assistant, he just calls His name is Gene. So
1: (laughs) that's like a doubly insulting to Gene Siskel. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Not only is he making fun of, making fun of critics, but he's clearly establishing a hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, uh, but yeah, see that. I mean, that's, I'm glad you brought up Godzilla because that allowed me to bring up Mars attacks and say that even movies that are not, you know, on the surface, uh, quote unquote about stuff yeah, are still, and yet, and yet what do they say? What are the, the two industries that are recession proof, right? Okay. Movies and the mafia, there, right? There you go. And it's true. This is actually, this is actually I'm glad you, I brought this up. Um, thank you, David, for bringing this up. Um, uh, something else I looked at today, which is that that's not 100% true. Um, A, nothing's truly recession-proof. But sure. also, it's not true that those are the only two things. A lot of what this uh, article called experiential consumption goes up during recessions. Mm-hmm. You know, people buy less stuff, maybe, but they go on more cruises during recessions and just crazy but like having experiences and i think that's a kind of escapism and this goes back i'm going to bring it full circle not full circle but part circle back to something else we were talking about even the modern day movies the love stories that take place in modern day and and excise all of the 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 tragedies and the social ills that go on in the world yeah. right that's an hour and a half two right. hours who knows what's going on in that world i try to be as socially conscious as I can. I try to do some good with my money. Um, I could probably do more good with my time in terms of volunteering, but um, uh, I I try, I try to do some good, but also sometimes I'll just have a nice night when my wife and I go out for dinner and drinks or dinner and a movie and we have a date. And for a couple of hours, I am not thinking about all the things that are awful in the world. So it's not truly escapism to have a movie that cuts those things out for 90 minutes because, or, or, Or it is escapism, but it's the kind that
0: we practice in our daily lives all the time. Yeah, I mean, a great example of this is actually in a movie, Bicycle Thieves. Like, the character has lost his bike, which means losing his job. He doesn't have much money, but there comes a moment where he decides... He never officially says, fuck it, but he might as well. And he takes his son out for like this amazing, rather expensive meal that he Uh, cannot afford. uh, Certainly making his situation worse, but... It's what he needed at that moment. It
1: reminds me of a Arrested Development joke where Ron Howard's that's uh, a big like family blow up Ron Howard's narration said it was at this point that Michael made a decision and Jason Bateman goes well I'm getting some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. that, uh, that goes to, uh, the idea of Uh, I feel like I've heard this less than I did maybe seven or eight years ago, but the term first world problems is kind of condescending in itself because like people in the third world still sometimes have a nice day or they worry about, you know, trivial shit or whatever. Like they're not, they're still human beings. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. So uh, to go back to something you've said before and that I've repeated, which is, uh, you know, don't, I can't remember how exactly you said it, but don't like, you don't strain yourself trying to be offended on someone else's behalf. Yeah. Be offended if you're offended. Yeah. Right. And I, cause I want to say, I'm not, when I say that, I'm not saying only be offended by things that affect you directly. It's okay right. to be offended if something offends sure. you, but to see something and go, I think I'm supposed to be offended by that. And then be offended. Right. You're, there's a, there's a pretty high chance you're going to end up coming off as condescending. When you oh do that. yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah. So, Okay, let's see. So where are we? Uh in in this discussion. I think I
1: actually hit all of my points okay. that I
0: wanted to make. Um so the question is, okay, so if escapism cannot truly exist because a filmmaker cannot help but bring in uh the the world around them even if they try not to if they're trying not to, that is itself still a re in its own way, exactly. a reaction yeah. to exactly. the world around them. And that's um, why, and because, and because film, even the, the, the light, the lightest weight of uplift, uh, <laughs> every film needs conflict and conflict is going to be, even if, even if it's a fantasy film or something like that, it is going to be informed by the, the, the world or the sensibilities, uh, at the time of creation. And so... Do you think...
1: I think it's possible to make a film without conflict in it that's still good,
0: don't you think? It's possible. I can't think of one off the top of my head. The conflict might not be quite so... Like, you know, my favorite movie, Nashville. What's the conflict there? Well, humans... Yeah, but it's still a depressing movie. I'm thinking about just a movie <laughs> that's like...
1: I don't know. if It's just like a day in the life of some people going to the park and having a nice day. Sure. I could see that being a nice movie. <laughs> if it's mo- if it's well made.
0: Yeah, uh, okay, there's I don't
1: need them to like get into a fight or find a dead body or anything.
0: Right. Okay. Uh I would say you probably don't need conflict for every movie, but I do think that, frankly, even if you start to even if someone goes about trying to make a movie without conflict, they will find that there is so, a conflict could simply be needing to overcome an obstacle. And the obstacle right. could be we need a picnic basket and we don't have one. Right. Where are we going to get one? Yeah. You know, whatever. Well, yeah, is. There's a
1: sequence of all the people in the park mm-hmm. yeah. trying to do the giant Benny and June thing with the bench. <laughs> and like it takes them a few exactly. tries to get it right. It's right. like that's your conflict yeah. right there. It's fun to watch,
0: yeah, but it's con kind of- it's a good thing that uh that the term first world problems is out of fashion <laughs> by the time this fake movie you and i came came up with uh, has has come into play but um but even so okay because now i'm i'm i think i'm I'm on board with you and i li- I'm always a big fan of of exploring the idea of unintended stuff mm-hmm. so this person this is why every once in a while Armand white is right every once in a while i it is as you started talking about this, I did have the thoughts like I see where he's coming from Yeah, uh, that a person cannot divorce themselves from the, the things yeah. that influence them. What's, what was the terrible Adam Sandler
1: movie where he played the brother and Jack sister? And Jill. Jack in jail. That's the big Jill. one. It's terrible, but it's almost worth seeing for Armand White's review, which About is— About, like, internalized anti- anti-Semitism? Yeah, activism? it's, like, yeah. preposterous, but also, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's there. I still—I uh, mean, Armand White, I think I stuck with him for a little longer than other people. Sure. But he has— he jumped the shark, I think, when when uh, so Donald was Trump. Slave? Oh uh, Donald no, when Donald Trump was elected and he was saying things. I think oh, I unfollowed him finally on Twitter when he was like, "Wow, cheers!" Yeah, I followed him on Twitter for a while, but he was like, "Cheers to Sean Spicer, the only man in Washington willing to tell the truth," or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you're just you're. I mean, I'm five. I'm six years." Late, but you're just trolling at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel that's what everyone else. I saying. mean, he still he still has a good relationship with National Review. Uh-huh. He still ha- his his reviews still get posted there. The comments are still people just fascinated and infuriated by the way he talks uh-huh. and the way that he he writes. Um, he also like
1: this year. He likes support the girls. So, so all right. Right. which is that's in my top five right now. So yeah,
0: I feel like his his. Column could just be called stopped clock (laughs) (laughs) every once in a while. Um, But, uh, but I will say that. So, okay, let's talk about this picnic movie. All right. With no conflict at all, it will still be. So, uh, you know, my, my suggestion was, you know, most movies have conflict. And even if the conflict is simply uh, an obstacle that needs to be overcome, even what defines an obstacle is going to be, uh, uh, informed by the world around us. Right. Uh, and similarly a movie that it, that has no conflict that is meant to just be pleasant. Well, the definition of pleasant is going to be informed by the world around us. Right. Um, and I'm sure there'll be, I'm not usually, I don't usually think this way, but, uh, what is the, uh, what is the 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 makeup of this of this cast you know where what city are they in does the city actually look like that or are they, did they purposely find the good part of the city you know what I, oh that's a good point. like there's there's a lot of stuff go, that goes into that and so i'm saying new orleans
1: riverside park okay or a park along the river i don't know if there's a park called riverside park but yeah. a park along the river uh vietnamese family
0: all right <laughs> okay let's do it. Uh, but yeah. And so, um, so the question then is, uh, understanding that in its purest, you know, in, in, in the purest definition of the word, escapism is not possible. Um, similarly, it's that idea, which I don't think I necessarily agree with that. It's not possible to make a truly Mm anti-war film. I think it's like, well, truly that's a hundred percent. And it's like, I don't, I don't think, the concept of anti-war is ever a hundred percent. Um, like, e- like even, even the most virulent, like pacifist, like anti-war protester is still going to understand that every once in a while, maybe not in this particular instance, uh, it would be fun uh, to shoot someone. So <laughs> that, that's where you're going. Right? <laughs> well, that it's, ne- that it's, that force is necessary, right. uh, yeah, to, yeah. to stop some, somebody from doing something anyway. Um, but, uh, so i don 't necessarily agree with that that anti war movie thing that like or maybe I maybe I do that uh, that well, you can never truly do it 's like well that 's because truly it doesn 't exist, so how about it 's possible to make uh, as much of an anti war movie as possible yeah. and one that is much more anti war than pro war uh, but I will say that um, with escapism, looking at it the way we have been. Um, there are still films that that are consciously from an uh, uh, from a filmmaker intention standpoint are tr- are not trying to tackle anything really that important or stuff that is in the that is in the forefront of our mind as a culture um, It will still be informed by these other things, but it is not attempting that it 's not steering into it it 's not j f k it 's not uh it's not detroit or something like that which again is still a period piece technically um you know it's not one of those movies and so my question is with the movies that we're talking about and you're you know you were talking about romantic comedies that where the the issues of the day have no place they are not there um you know i was talking earlier about um feeling kind of bad for watching infinity war when i've got a big stack of much more important movies and i don't just mean important in in so far as like the time of year but movies that people of our ilk would say are so much more thoughtful and impactful and that sort of thing i've got a stack of them sitting there i opted to watch this thing uh and you said that i shouldn't feel bad about it yeah okay uh, at what point is that not true? Never, never. I, yeah. If I, if okay, I recognize that this that the context of this podcast then requires that maybe we see more things. But if I decide, you know what, I'm not interested in Roma. I'm not seeing Roma, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna contribute to the beepies. I'm still gonna contribute my top ten, yeah. having not seen this film that you yourself know is really impactful.
1: Yeah, I would tell you. I would tell you to remember three years ago when I never saw Mad Max: Fury Road, Boy, which yeah. won like the Village Voice, rest in peace Village Voice, mm-hmm. uh, critics poll or whatever that okay. year. Like you don't have to see anything. You don't have to see anything. Right. If, it, if you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it. You can't see everything. So who's to That's say true. that just because it's, I don't know. Roma isn't necessarily the best uh, art. I think it's implied that our top 10 lists every year are our top 10 movies that we saw. Of course. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that all 10 of the movies that I saw in 2015 were better than Mad Max Fury Road. I'm saying those are the 10 best movies that I saw. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road might be better than all of them. I wouldn't know. I never saw it.
0: <laughs> are you ever going to see it?
1: <laughs> it doesn't seem likely at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look, that ship has sailed. I know I'm still officially alive, Did, but
1: come on. Do you, speaking of, the, going back to, like, the t- passage of time and feeling old thing, like, this is the first year, 2000, 2018 is the first year that I've realized movies that I've been meaning to catch up on are 10 years old. Like, oh, I keep, yeah. I've just been assuming that I was going to get around to Tropic Thunder at some point. Mm. I've still never seen it. I don't, I don't have anything, it's not, it's not Mad Max Fury Road. I'm not going out of my way not to see it, like I yeah. am with Mad Max Fury Road, my least favorite movie of all time. Um... No, Tropic Thunder is a movie that I meant to see, and it's still
0: just sort of been on my list. Like, yeah, I'm going to get to Tropic Thunder one of these days, and it's 10 years old now. There are movies, I'd say, movies that have come out in the last 20 years that are in this weird no-man's land. Like, if it's a movie from last year or this year, and I haven't seen it and I want to, it's likely I will. Mm -hmm. If there's a movie from the 70s that I haven't seen, and I've been meaning to, it's likely I will. If there's a movie from the early 2000s that I haven't seen, Okay. It, it's just going to drift well, you know, away. I our, never saw was all the real girls. I never saw it. I oh, heard it was great. That. That's yeah, I'm sure I should. No, I think you'd like that.
1: Um, our editor, large Scott and I has a similar thing. His is a much nearer window. It's, okay. it's within the last five years. He says, basically sure. if he misses a movie, the year it comes out of the year after, then it sort of goes into, a ditch for five years, and he yeah. doesn't think about it, and then maybe after five years
0: so yeah, yeah, uh, twenty years is probably a little bit a little bit too big, yeah, especially like all the real girls, but especially way. now because like okay, so we are now getting to the point where the nineties are almost like twenty years ago are almost done, if that makes sense, like I right. think about like in two okay, years, so, twenty years ago will no longer be the nineties exactly yes, right. um, and so at that point, those movies can be in my mind sort of seen as like. Not li- not literally classic, but the at that point, it's like, all right, if something I have not seen from the 90s, but people are still kind of talking about it now, it's been 20 years, all right, I guess it's, well, uh, quote unquote, worth seeking out. I go with 25 in a way okay. to think of a movie as a classic because I'm just
1: going by Rock and Roll Hall of Fame rules. Sure. Which, again, speaking of feeling old, this year, Radiohead, first ballot Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That means it's been 25 years since Radiohead's first release. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Honey was like 93. Right. Uh, I know very little about Radiohead, but but you've heard this on Creep. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. That uh, was 25 years ago at this point.
0: Wow. Um, so, yeah,
1: it was just I think it's just announced today <laughs> that they um, are going to be one of the inductees. Hey, First good ballot, for them. Good
0: for them. The first ballot, there you go. Yeah, the
1: zombies are going in for the first time this year, and they've been around for fifty years, fifty-five, more than that.
0: I don't know. At anyway, po- at some point, I would like to do an episode about the National Film Registry, oh, um, yeah. because they just announced like the movies that they're going to be incorporating this year, and. Y- some higher profile movies like the shining are, are going to be there. And I think much, I think some movies like Jurassic park is going to be on there, but then also similarly to what you're talking about, uh, the old, uh, John Ford film, the informer, which I adore. Um, it's, Oh, it's great. Uh, from like 1935 or something like that. And so it's just like, all right, so what what took so long on the informer? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like that's uh, yeah, I I always think about that with the, at least with Jurassic uh, park, you can say it's the 25th year, it's it's going to be around. Yeah. People are still talking about, you know what? Let's bring it in. Yeah. Uh, but the informer just, I don't know. Did, was there just but, like this influx of like I wonder, Irish it, Americans who are suddenly aware of it? Are there like, do people, are there fans of specific movies who every year are
1: like, oh, I can't believe we didn't get in? Because there are with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I guarantee you that. today, a number of Grand Funk Railroad fans were <laughs> once again let down the Grand <laughs> Funk Railroad. And that's hilarious to me. Like because it doesn't seem I don't think Grand Funk Railroad is going to end up getting the the informal treatment. I don't think in another 50 years people are going to be like, "You know what? Right. I think Grand Funk Railroad's window has closed yeah. <laughs> for getting into the Rock and <laughs> Roll Hall of Fame, but I guarantee you there are people who are pissed off."
0: Oh, undoubtedly, <laughs> yes, yes. Um
1: All right, we got to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Um this has been a blast. Uh you can find us at com this week in terms of movie reviews. Uh if you got um I reviewed Uh, what is it four movies right bird box spider-man into the spider-verse if beale street could talk Mm -hmm. which is one of the best movies of the year and mortal engines which is one of the worst uh although i know a a surprising number of people who like it so um and of course spider-man into the
0: spider-verse which is very good
1: it is very good yes it is not redefining the superhero movie or redefining film animation Mm. it's a very good movie i'm so and i'll tell you I, I take notes when I go to screenings, Mm -hmm. I wrote like two things the entire time because Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is so engaging that I barely even thought to take notes. So I don't want to sound like I'm, it's a really good movie, but I feel like people are talking about it like it's, it's not subverting shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, it's a really good movie. Um, and it's really fun to look at. Uh, all right. So those reviews are up at battleship pretension.com. Uh, you can email us at David at battleship com or Tyler at battleship com. I'm on Twitter at davy pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Anything going on at more than one lesson? Your other the podcast.
0: This week? Uh, as far as my show, no, that's kind of on a semi, uh, what do you call it? Not permanent. Uh, I- Yeah. What's the word? Temporary, not temporary. Like, uh, Damn, I can't think of the word. Um, limited. Limited. It's on a limited break, but uh, for a while. Okay. I don't know what it's going to be. Indefinite. Uh, indefinite. That's thank the word you. That's what you were looking for. Um, but there's still stuff going on uh, on the site. Our writer Bob wrote a review of uh, the favorite, and then you'll find this interesting, David. So uh, the podcast, The Fear of God, is still is still going strong. Okay. Uh, this week they talk about better watch out, and right. they interview the director. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's very exciting. I was very happy for them.
1: All right. So, uh, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.